Hello, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the podcast, Players in the Game of Life. We're getting closer, or we're right at the holiday season. And the one thing that people I wish would desire and have most instead of a coach or a Gucci or limousine or whatever, I wish they would ask for and try to attain a closer relationship with God. Now, developing a closer relationship with God is an admirable goal, and it reflects a heart that is truly reborn. For only those who are in Christ desire a closer relationship with God. We must also understand that in this life, we will never be as close to God as we ought to be or even desire to be. The reason for this is lingering sin in our lives. This is not a deficiency of God's part, but of ours. Our sin remains a barrier to the full and complete fellowship with God, which will be realized once we are in glory. Even the Apostle Paul, who had about as close relationship as one could probably have with God in this life, still long for a closer relationship. The Bible says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. This is found in Philippians, the third chapter and the eighth through the ninth verse. No matter where we are in our walk with Christ, we can always have a closer walk and even glorified in heaven. We will have all eternity to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Now, there are about five and there may be more, but I know of five ways or five basic things we can do to have a closer relationship with God. And I want to talk about and explain them as best I can with the help of the Holy Spirit, your prayers and your time. The first thing we can do to have a closer relationship with God is to make a daily habit of confessing our sin to him. If sin is the barrier of our relationship with God, then confessing removes that barrier. When we confess our sins before God, he promises to forgive us according to 1 John 1 and 9. And forgiveness is what restores a relationship that has been estranged. We must keep in mind that confession is more than simply saying, I'm sorry for my sin, God. <laughs> it is the heartfelt contrition of those who recognize their sin is an offense to a holy God. It is the profession or the confession of one who realizes that his sin is what nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. It is the cry of the publican in Luke 18 who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. As King David wrote, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, 
you, you will not despise. According to Psalms 51 and 17. The second thing we can do to have a closer relationship with God is to listen when God speaks. Many today are chasing a supernatural experience of hearing God's voice. But the Apostle Peter tells us that we have something more sure. The prophetic word. That's the Bible. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. According to Second Peter, the first chapter, the 19th verse. That more sure prophetic word, like I said, is the Bible. In the Bible, we hear God's voice to us. It is through the God-breathed scripture that we become thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So if we want to grow closer to God, we should read his word regularly. In reading his word, we are listening to God speak through it by his spirit, who illuminates the word to us. It is said that those that worship God must worship him, how? In spirit and in truth. The third thing we can do to have a closer relationship with God is to speak to him through prayer. If reading the Bible is listening to God, speak to us. Speaking to God is accomplished through prayer. The Gospels often record Jesus secreting himself, a way to commune with his Father in prayer. Prayer is much more than simply a way to ask God for things we need or want. Sometimes we as human beings treat God like he's our personal waiter. And we call him and wave him over to the table and tell him what we want. In the next five or ten minutes, he's going to give it to us. Wrong answer. Consider the model prayer that Jesus gives his disciples in Matthew 6, 9, and 13. The first three petitions in that prayer are directed toward God. May his name be hallowed. May his kingdom come. May his will be done. The last three peti or petitions are requests we make to God. After we've taken care of the first three. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Another thing we can do to remove, to revive our prayer lives is to read the Psalms. Many of the Psalms are heartfelt cries to God for various things in the Psalms. We see adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, supplication, modeled in a divinely inspired way. The fourth thing we can do to have a closer relationship with God is to find a body of believers with whom we can regularly worship. Now, does this mean going to a church? 
This is another question that comes up a lot. And we talked about it in one of our podcasts. Why should we go to church? Well, this, my brothers and sisters, is one of the reasons. This is such a vital component of spiritual growth. Too often we approach church with uh, what can I get out of it mentality. We seldom take the time to prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Again, the psalm shows us many calls from God to his people to come and worship the Lord. For example, Psalm 95 verses 1 and 2. God invites us, really he commands us, to come into his presence for worship. How can we, his people, fail to respond? Not only does regular church attendance give us an opportunity to come before the Lord's presence in worship, but it also gives us an opportunity to fellowship with the Lord's people. As we come into the house of the Lord in worship and not on the television, we fellowship with his people. We can't help but grow closer to God as a result. You know, you can talk to your friend over the phone, and that's all well and good. But sometimes when you are right there in their presence, you can have a whole lot of fun. Finally, a closer relationship with God is built upon a life of obedience. Can I, can I say that again? Finally, a closer relationship with God is built upon a life of obedience. Jesus told his disciples in the upper room, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I'm going to stop right there. People use, will, will, will tell us that we live by grace and not by the law. But the law of God is going to always be good. The Bible teaches us that Jesus didn't come to break the law. He came to fulfill it because he was the only person that could. This is what brought us back to a right relationship with God because now God sees us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, whom died upon Calvary's cross for our sins, past, present, and future. Yours, mine, and your great, 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 great grandchild. James tells us that as we submit ourselves to God through obedience, resist the devil and draw near to God, he will draw near to us, according to James 4, 7, and 8. Paul tells us in Romans that our obedience is our living sacrifice, which tells me that there always has to be a sacrifice. True enough, Jesus paid the ultimate price, <coughs> excuse me, so we may have life and have it more abundantly. That sacrifice only had to be made one time. The sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. We must keep in mind that all biblical exhortations to obedience are presented as our response to the grace of God we receive in salvation. We don't earn salvation through our obedience. Rather, it is the way we show our love and gratitude toward God. You can't pay for salvation. And just because we are obedient, does not mean that we get salvation. Salvation comes from us accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And in doing that, we're going to 
not do some things, not because it helps us to get closer to God, because with Christ dwelling on the inside of us, there's just certain things we will not do. And that's not saying that we are saved by our works, but because we are saved, we will have greater works. So through confession, Bible study, prayer, regular church attendance and obedience, we can develop a closer relationship with God. It seems rather simple, it if not simplistic. But consider this, how do we develop a closer relationship with other human beings? How do you? Ask yourself. We spend time with them in conversation, opening our hearts and listening to them at the same time. We acknowledge needs to fulfill theirs. When we've done wrong and seek forgiveness, we seek to treat them well and sacrifice our own needs. It is not really that different with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We have to want, we have to desire a closer relationship. We have to be obedient and accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Remember, Jesus Christ died for you. But the biggest thing is that God sacrificed his only begotten son so we could have life and have it more abundantly. I use a, a story sometimes and the story goes like this and bear with me. There was a man who came into a barbershop. I'm going to use barbershop because that's where I'm at sometimes. And in this barbershop, it was about closing time. It was getting rather dark. And some men came into the barbershop and asked the barber to give up the money. A couple of customers in there was a lady and her husband and her son and their son. And there was uh, a couple of other people in there. But anyway, the, bar, the, the, the robbers came in and said, give us everything that you got or we're going to shoot you. Yes, that was something to think about. It was a shocker. But just think about this is not a true story. This is just something I want you to think about. And the lady said, don't shoot the barber. Take my son because people need him to get their hair cut. We're going to make it like that. And they said, what? He said, yeah, take my son. If you got to kill anybody, kill my son. And let him take the price and pay the price for everybody else. So they shot the son. Three years later, the lady and the husband came back to the shop and they asked the barber to give them $20 because they didn't have anything to eat and they needed to eat. And the barber told them no. After they gave their son for them, when he asked them to do something, when they asked him to do something, they, he said no. Now, I just want you to imagine this is not about the barber. This is about God. God gave his only begotten son and let him go and die on Calvary's cross for your sins and mine. And all he asked us to do is to sit up and tell somebody else, some man, some woman, some boy, some girl, about the things that God has done for us to make us better than what we are right now. I'm quite sure all of us have a but God story or I used to story that that God brought us out of and we don't do anymore. The things that we said, if God gets me out of this, I'll never do it again. Everybody's got a story. 
who do you owe it to? Who do you owe that when you had that sickness that you didn't think that you could get rid of? That you couldn't pay a doctor or you didn't have enough money to fix? What about those bills that you had and or even an electric bill that you had once upon a time and you got that pink slip that said it was about to be cut off and you didn't have the money, but through some kind of way, you didn't have to pay all of that bill right then. You think it's because you called and talked to them? No. You think it's because it's just policy for people to do that? No. Because by law, they would cut it off. But mercy came into the fact. And mercy said, we'll give you a couple of more days. Or can you give us some parts of it? God worked it out. God always works things out for the better. And I like this too because he said all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now does that mean that everything in your life is going to go good? No. He said it will be good. It will turn out for the good. It would be better for you if this happened. How many of you have sit up and, and he stopped you from doing something or making a vow to or with somebody that you are glad you didn't make? There's a lot of it. My brothers and sisters, I'm going to get back with you again and we're going to talk a little bit more about does God cause suffering? He doesn't cause suffering. Let me just say this for preparation. God is not there or not here to make you happy. He's here to bring you joy and that joy that surpasses all understanding. If you want to get a better understanding of what I said, I want to talk to you again or talk at you, speak at you next week. Please stay tuned and hear, does God cause suffering? Please get in touch with me for any consultation, not consultation, I don't even mean to say that. If you want to get in touch with me to be part, probably a, a, a someone who can help or have a topic that you want us to discuss, get in touch with me at Players in the Game of Life at uh, gmail.com. Again, that's Players in the Game of Life at gmail.com. God bless and talk to you later. Hope you have a blessed holiday season. Be talking to you again.